ago, um, Ayodhya Madeira and I watched this uh, documentary called uh, With One Voice, and um, it's beautiful, and it's about uh, mystics from a whole variety of different traditions speaking about their experience of truth, and, and as is often the case when you get a whole bunch of mystics together, there's a lot more in common than there is difference. I mean, even in terms of the very specific language that they use, in terms of what it is that they are describing, what it is that they're experiencing, how they see things, there's a lot more in common than there is differences. And in this chanting that we did today in universal well-being, it's a pretty universal hunger, not only for humans, but for all living beings to be free from pain and to be free from suffering and to have a sense of ease and well-being and peace and have sufficient for our basic needs to be met. And yet, when we look at the differences in the traditions, we can see all kinds of different languages and different paths and different um, uh, ways that emerge. And so, um, over these last, since I returned from California, even before I returned from California, Sister Dee and I have been involved in a lot of conversations about what we want to do and how we want to do it. And What's emerging is the clarity to create a culture where the qualities of, of, of care and kindness and respect and generosity are maintained. And yet we are using the richness of our tradition to help us point to how to do that. Um, so we're also involved in another study. It's a, a, an intensive women's study program. And it's, uh, we call it the Women's Facilitator Group. And um, because of a, a retreat that I'm teaching with Sharon in the end of May and the beginning of June on this theme, um, the Women's Facilitator Group wanted to have the same theme uh, for their study. So that was their decision. So we decided that we would... Um, make good use of the opportunity and use this time as a way of moving more into that theme and unpacking it and coming up with practices so that we can understand it more. So the theme is um, dependent co-arising or patichi samapada or the wheel of life or the cycle of suffering. Sometimes when my brain is scrambled, I call it co-dependent arising. (laughs) And I think codependent arising is probably a lot easier to understand (laughs) than dependent co-arising. But without using that language, calling it the cycle of suffering, it makes it a little bit simpler. And then when we see those tankas with with the Lord of Death hanging over this big, huge wheel, that's the wheel of life. And on the outer rim, there's usually 12 links. And those 12 links are representative of this cycle. Um, So, you know, it's a perennial question of why is it do we suffer? You know, that's not a 
it's it's not a trivial question, and it's been something that people have been asking since the beginning of being able to ask questions. Why do we suffer? And what is beyond suffering? You know, it's also follows that question. And so one of the things that I love about the Buddhist teachings, even though I feel a deep and profound respect and appreciation for the mystics that arrive at this answer through all of these different paths, is, is that the thing that I like about the Buddhist path is, is that that path is clear for me. The language of it and the directions of it, the, under- the map of it, it's a clear path for me. And so... That's probably why I'm a Buddhist. It might even have something to do with I'm a Buddhist nun. <laughs> if I had to guess. <laughs> but for me, it's, it's what, I, um, what I love is not the, the dialing down, but the opening up and the moving back and forth between these two, of understanding the path, how to get beyond the place where our minds are are tight and narrow into this what happens when when there's no suffering you know the yummy stuff the good stuff you know the place where it's like you know that there are no problems you know that sense of where your nervous system is absolutely relaxed you know so here we are into like the core teachings of the Buddha. And just to back up a bit, I want to just frame it. So one of the things that certainly the Buddhist teachings have in common with all the other teachings is the teachings on honesty and integrity and generosity and the importance of forgiveness and spiritual friendship. And where there are some differences is on like how do we get there? You know, what do we do? What are the practices? How do we think about it? How do we get there? So one of the teachings that differentiates the Buddhist teachings from some of the other teachings is the teachings of the Four Noble Truths. And the Four Noble Truths, in an essence, looks at what's the problem, what is the cause of the problem, and what is the cure. And so these Four Noble Truths are the cause of that there is suffering in this world, and we can see that in the way that our bodies hurt and get rashes and have immune problems, and we get old. You know, we're not as young as we were 20 years ago for any of us. And, you know, that there's a journey of death, and some of us are, are close to that journey with a number of people right now, you know. There's also the, the, the suffering of not getting what we want, you know, when we have a hunger for having something and it's not here. Or if we have something that we don't want, you know, that something arrives in the picture and it's not what we want. We had quite some interesting conversations about the mouses that invaded the house. (laughs) And how initially they were so sweet with their lovely brown eyes and how cute they were. And then what a mess they were making and everywhere they were getting and the fact that they couldn't be caught. And so it shifted from the sweetness of having companions to the pain of having unwanted companions. You know. So there's the cause. 
or there's the problem, the truth of suffering, and then there's the cause of all of that, which is like looking at where our wanting and our not wanting is actually originating from. And then there's the, the release. When we actually see that wanting and not wanting, it can release. And in that release, there's <clears throat> something else that emerges. And then there's a whole path of a collection of many different factors that help us gather together the clarity, the insight, the strength, the resource to keep practicing the path. Now, this book, Ajahn Dun Atulo, you know, one of these forest meditation masters that was like really pithy. He, didn't, he was not a man of many words. And this picture of him when he's elderly, it's, it's actually, um, I don't know what you get from it, but I, what I get is minimalist. <laughs> he describes the Four Noble Truths in a way that I really love because it actually is extremely descriptive of what's actually happening in our minds. He says, the mind sent outside is the origination of suffering. The result of the mind sent outside is suffering. The mind seeing the mind is the path. And the result of the mind seeing the mind is the cessation of suffering. So anytime our mind, anytime our attention grabs hold of something as an object, it moves away from just the clarity of stillness of knowing and moves into absorbing into a thought or into a sight or into a sound or into wanting or not wanting. That's the mind moving outside. And that's where the origin of suffering comes from. The result of that is actually suffering. When we see it, when the mind sees that, when the mind comes back into the mind, that's the path. And the result of the mind seeing the mind is the cessation of suffering. So it's absolutely brilliant and not at all easy to do. So the Four Noble Truths is kind of like the bigger picture. And then the second truth of the cause of suffering in an expanded form is this. It's the wheel, the cycle of suffering. So Ayodhamadira wrote it out into the different links, the 12 links. And here we have a cycle. And she's also made a chain on the, on the, on the whatever that's called, curtain rod that has the link so that we can get more of a visual sense of their linking together. Now, one of the basic principles of the cycle of suffering is it's based on the sense of conditionality. Because of this, there's that. Without this, there isn't that. Now, this simple thing, which on many ways we watch, observe all the time, actually has extraordinarily profound ripple effects in terms of what that means and how we can work with it. And so most of the time, for most of us, our lives are a little bit like, you know, we fall through a tree and we notice maybe at some point that we're falling and then we notice that we hit the ground. 
we don't notice the different branches that we brush up against on the way down. And so what this is all about is looking at the places that we brush up against before we actually hit the ground. And in, in doing that, the intention is to begin to see if we slow it down and open up our understanding, maybe we don't have to hit the ground. Maybe we can actually change the direction so that something else is possible. So that when we understand how this cycle works, then we can also understand how it can stop. And when we can understand how it can stop, then the habitual tendencies that normally drive us all the time are not the things that we need to be uh, caught out by. So another way of looking at this is, is that this cycle is broken up into five different sections. One is deeply rooted tendencies. Another is stimulus and cognition. The third is feeling. The fourth is reactivity. And the fifth is the process of selfing, where we form a sense of who we are and the sense of being born into something that we want. Yeah? So if we look at that in terms of this way, the deeply rooted tendencies is the, is the, is the links of ignorance, volitional formations. The stimulus and the, and the, and the cognition is consciousness, mind and body, and sense bases. Feeling is contact, and, fe- and contact, and then feeling is feeling. Feeling is the quality of pleasure, pain, and un- in- indifference in relationship to contact. And then there's the whole reactivity that comes with that, which we can see when we have any kind of sense contact. The experience of a little bit of wanting and how that wanting moves into clinging and how that clinging becomes a like a snowball and after a certain point the snowball is over the side of the mountain and it's like there's nothing you can do other than just pick up the pieces afterwards you know and they're distinct processes that are connected to each other and that process of clinging or craving and clinging and becoming then gives rise to the experience of birth, aging, sickness and death and then the whole lamentation, sorrow, pain, grief and despair that follows, you know? And so to pick it apart so that we can actually understand what's happening then begins to mean that we have more choices, more places where we can not be caught and more opportunities for that place of the luminosity of knowing rather than the being gripped by the desire to have or the desire to get rid of or the wanting for sensual pleasures or wanting to be or to become or the desire not to be anything or anyone. And so when we when we posit the kind of ways that our reactive tendencies operate, and then we we put in contrast what the people on that documentary were describing, this luminous, all-pervasive sense of unity, of oneness, of connection, of love, of awareness. It's like, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) In fact, 
it might even be worth whatever it takes in order to, do, to get there, you know. So this is kind of like a dialing in to the, to the heart, to the crux of, of, of complex teachings in order to make it clearer how to experience more ease and well-being. One of the troubles with this teaching is, is, is that it's so dense. It's really easy to get into it and let our brains turn into a pretzel. And I don't have much conviction that pretzel brains are useful for anybody. And so for me, there's really a longing to begin to understand this more from an experiential and a somatic way. And so I am really excited by the kind of ways that we can begin to start slowing the inquiry down and looking to see if we can get a sense about how this stuff operates so that we can begin to catch these branches before we actually hit the ground. So um, that's enough for an overview. And hand it over to Ayadamadira for more experiential practices. <laughs> 